one of the pastors here this morning. I grew up in Wisconsin, and so, oh, man, who said that? Come on. Hey, there you go. Due to bad planning on my part, my Packer shirt uh, that I wanted to wear today is in the wash, and so I decided to, <laughs> it's starting, and and so I decided to go kind of neutral color today, but I, I wanted to accent my outfit with a hat. And so what I need is, in kind of an audience participation uh, exercise, I need you to, by applause, tell me which hat that you think I should wear today that complements my outfit. See, I could, go, I could go old school to Lombardi era Packers and do the, the traditional GB. Okay. That's contestant number one. Contestant number two is I could go the Coach McCartney, uh, Coach McCarthy route and do the just the, the solid G. Good looking hat. Go pack. Or I, I was digging through my closet and I came across. Yeah. yeah. Now there's there's one problem with this hat. I got this hat when I was in like eighth grade, and so you can see it. It doesn't really sit on my head. It kind of like rest the top, and what you don't know is that it's like slowly pinching up my head. <laughs> so like I will do the announcements with this hat on, or with this cheese head on, but if it like shoots up toward the ceiling, like that's just physics and we'll have to deal with it. So uh, Mr. Millspaw and any other Steeler fans, you're just gonna have to indulge me. So uh, <laughs> here he comes, this could be bad. <laughs> All right. All right, that's, that's, <laughs> all right, but we'll, we'll continue that later, I'm sure. <laughs> well, welcome to Warehouse on Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, before we um, kind of continue with the rest of where we're going this morning, just one quick announcement for you. Uh, this week, we are resuming our partnership with Family Promise, and some of you are familiar with this initiative, some of you are not. What Family Promise is all about is it's a collaboration of churches in the city of Charlotte who have engaged uh, headlong in the issue of childhood homelessness. We've said that it's unacceptable that there are over 3,000 children who attend school in Charlotte who are homeless. That's just unacceptable. And so one of the first things that the faith community has done has said, let's start with taking care of four families, the children and their families, and a week at a time, let's provide them stable housing at a local church-like warehouse. And for one week at a time, uh, they'll, these families will be at a church where at least for that week they'll know that they have a safe, warm, comfortable place to sleep, where they'll have great opportunities to interact with uh, congregations, they'll eat good food, they'll even get to watch the Super Bowl tonight. And that starts here at Warehouse. During uh, the week, the children get to stay at their schools. They're not going to get shuttled to different schools. Family Promise ensures that. And then Family Promise takes care of of the, the moms or the parents, getting them in job training and, and helping them search for an apartment, helping them square away their finances so that by the time that new apartment comes around that they're squared away and ready to go. There's a tremendous success rate of Family Promise moving families successfully through the program and we're delighted that we can welcome four new families uh, to our building starting this afternoon. We do have some remaining volunteer opportunities for those of you who would like to participate this week. Uh, we still are looking for uh, dinners for the families on for the families and the volunteers on Monday and Friday, and then uh, there's also an opportunity for you to provide breakfast and lunch supplies to the families as well. The families don't actually eat breakfast here; they kind of 
uh, put together some, some lunch bags and some, um, and some breakfast bags, take those on the bus with them as they go either to school or to the Family Promise Day Center. So if you'd like to help with breakfast or lunch supplies, just email room at warehouse242.org and we'll get in touch with you and help you plug in that way. All right, so let's be honest. Not only are Super Bowl parties notorious for being sort of superficial, so are relational talks. Seriously. What did you think when Mark said, hey, we're going to talk about meaningful relationships? You thought, great, we're in sixth grade again. And I'm going to tell you, you should reach out and develop some friendships. If, if we get to the end of this talk and you feel like what I'm saying to you is, maybe I should give somebody a call. Just, you know, put me down at the end of the message. We make relationships simple. You just need to give a little more time to your relationships. Our struggles with relationships have nothing to do with time. They have to do with weight. I'm reading a book right now by uh, uh, Milan Kundera. It's called The Unbearable Lightness of Being. It's a fascinating book. And in it, he explores this central concept that relationships are weighty. They're heavy. And their heaviness both draws us and repels us. And at moments, we just want life to be light. Superficial. We like to float on the surface because relationships have weight. I'll tell you a story. It is true. Some of you have been following my odyssey with my parents, and uh, it seemed that so much was resolved this week. My mom, this is not the resolution part, just my mom fell on Monday, and uh, her, her brain she had some hemorrhaging in her brain and uh, through a long week um, got her down here she came by uh, medevac ambulance from Virginia to a rehab place by us Friday night Nan my wife who if I, if I haven't reminded you enough how amazing she is I'm doing it again who looked at me after a very long week where I spent the entire week essentially with the phone glued to my ear talking with people in hospitals and police stations and you don't need to know. Anyway, she said, you, I'm, I was supposed to coach my son Mason three on three soccer tournament on Saturday. And she said, you stay. You coach that. I know you need, <laughs> you need some light. I'll go get your dad. And so she flew up Saturday morning and packed some stuff and drove my dad back and they got back here last night, and okay, all right, my mom's in the rehab place. My dad's here. Their connection is important. They've been married for 64 years. So, certainly we got some challenges ahead of us, but it's going to be a little bit lighter now. Uh, my dad, when he got here, did not look good. And so at 2.30 this morning, at the... Uh, suggestion of my wife, and again, not only is she wonderful, she's always right, and I wonder how she deals with that. <laughs> See, I don't have to deal with that. I only have to deal with, I always think I'm right, which is, it's really a whole nother issue. For, for her, too, <laughs> honestly. So, at 
at midnight, she said, my dad is coughing badly. He's wheezing. He looks like he can barely stand. And Nan's saying, you need to take him to the emergency room. Now, this is what I'm thinking. Not saying. This is what I'm thinking. No, 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 no. <laughs> what I need is I just want to go to bed. He'll be fine. What I said was, actually not much better. He'll be fine. <laughs> it's a cough. Take him tomorrow, Monday. 2.30 in the morning, she wakes me up and says, Bruce, come, your dad is just ca coughing and coughing. Yeah, but you know, he, he's just because he's got congestion. So it's dark, so I don't actually see her face. <laughs> Pretty sure it's like... <sighs> so I get up. I go to my dad, who's stubborn, and I, and I, he, I said, he's not going to go. I've already asked him once. Again, same look. I've already asked him once, so, and he said no. So I go in there, I said, hey, hey Dad, you, you sound terrible. Let's go to the emergency room. Okay. All righty then. So at 2.30 in the morning, I take my dad to the emergency room. That'll take, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, right? <laughs> Our service was actually altered today because I arrived at the first service at 9.30. My dad has a severe case of pneumonia and something else which we don't know yet. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> and so, seriously, I'm thinking, really? I thought, and it's every time I think, we got this settled a little bit. Oh, did I forget to mention that my wife, Nan's, Mother, whose husband died a month ago, fell yesterday, broke her hip, and is having hip replacement surgery today. It's the full cycle. We got it all going on. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is kind of difficult. And there's a huge part of me that just wants to escape. Because it feels like weight. On the other hand, there are moments sitting with my father in CMC this morning, bleary-eyed, that I wouldn't trade for anything. That were uh, just absolutely amazing. Between all the chaos and all the pain and all the logistics and, and then looking and thinking like, okay, now I got to go as soon as this ends and go talk to my mom and tell her, because I can't call her because my mom can't speak and it's complicated so I need to drive over there and explain to her why her husband's not going to be there for the next three days because he's hospitalized in the midst of all that there are moments I won't trade for anything relationships have weight and at times we want to escape them see it has nothing to do with how much time we have. It has to do with the fact that relationships can bring pain. All sorts of different ways. But that's what we were made for. Not pain, relationship. It's how you were hardwired. You see, the only reason things ever hurt us is because they matter. Things that don't matter don't hurt. When something rips your soul, what you know is this actually is important. Otherwise, I would discard it. 
relationships matter, I, I could argue, I think pretty successfully, it's at the core of who you are and why you were made. It's to connect with God and with other people. So, I'm going to look at a passage with you in the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, so it's right there in the front. And I'm going to look at the second chapter. And, and here's what's going on. Move. In the first chapter of Genesis, God tells the story, and he tells the story of creating the universe. And again, it, it's poetry. He's trying to communicate some things. It's not a science text. trying to communicate some things about how he is fashioning the world. So, and then he sums up. Sums up in the beginning of chapter 2, and it says this. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. Okay, this is the only thing I want you to note about that. See, God, he finishes the universe, and then he stops. As we talked about last week, God does hardwire us for achievement. He also understands something about rest, which we'll get to next week. But God finishes the universe, the whole thing, and then he stops and he goes, all right, that's enough, that's good, let's take a break. And then it moves on, and what happens is the Bible backs up and points out one aspect of the created universe, and that is humanity. And I'm going to read the next little section, focusing really only on the last verse. In fact, I probably will jump just because, you know, hey, I feel like it. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. And I'm going to jump to verse 7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, up until now, if you've read the first chapter of Genesis, what you know is that everything is created was created when God says, let there be, like, I'd like some light. There it is. Planets, boom. Stars, done. Plants, that's all it is. Speaks, there it is. And this, and again, every, every moment of this, every moment of the Bible is intended to communicate something. And this moment of communication, what's happening is it looks like this. God goes, all right, watch this. He, he literally, it looks like he bends down and he picks up dirt and he fashions a creation. And then he breathes into it. It is a hands-on creation. Could God have spoken and said, let there be human beings? Yes. He's trying to say something about connectedness. Hands-on. God creates humanity and breathes life into us. All right, so what you got? You got a guy. Just one guy. And I believe this is all part of the story of something God is trying to communicate to us. So you got a guy, and then you get this description of the rest of the where he is, and it's really nice. But then, I'm not going to bore you with the description. You'll read later, but there's a nice description you know, of paradise, which, you know, that'd be great. Anyway, Verse 18, it says this, The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. That's a really important verse in the Bible. It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, I've got to focus on I will make a helper suitable for him because that one phrase right there has caused untold mischief for thousands of years. Because really, this is how it's read. It's been read historically. God said, I'm going to make a man, you know. And you know what? He could use a little helper. Mama's little helper. That's, he's probably fine, but 
let's make women to help men out a little bit. They can, they can be their assistants. That's a really bad translation. Here's, here's what that word means. The word helper in the Bible, all throughout the Old Testament, it's the word we transliterate ezer, and it's used most often in the Bible for God, as in this, God is our help. God is the one who runs to our rescue when we are unable and insufficient on our own. And so what the verse says is there's a man by himself. This is not good. Seriously, whole creation, everything's good. And then God looks at the guy and he says, that's not good. <laughs> We're going to need a little help here. So it says, I will create a rescuer. And literally, it says to face him. I will create a rescuer who will fit, who will come alongside, without which the solitary human being is not good. This is a metaphor of who we are. It is not good for us to live alone, for us to experience isolation. Few things bring more torture to our lives than the sense of being cut off. The rest of the Bible goes on to articulate this theme over and over again. There's a verse in the wisdom literature in Ecclesiastes which says, two are better than one, and if you can get three, even better. And then throughout the whole New Testament, there's this phrase that's used over and over again which we translate one another. And it essentially says, I want you to do this whole thing with one another. You and I were meant to meaningfully connect with one another. It is hard wired in. So, as we asked last week, if it's hardwired in, why doesn't it just happen? What is it that makes relationships so complicated and so difficult? Wait. They have substance. And so they can bring profound beauty and unspeakable pain. And so a part of us has, as with labor, a contentious relationship with relationships. And you know, you do know how I love to use both sides of my stage to illustrate things. Don't know why. I like it. Anyway, two ways we can face relationships. One of those is we essentially create distance. We are chronically underconnected. We don't connect enough. When somebody gets close, whether it's a friend or our spouse, when they get too close, walls come up. Because we feel like it's not good for me to have too much connection to other people. Where that comes from? Lots of places. We'll get into that. Other side is, we are chronically overconnected. We possess. Relationships are not something where we connect with other people and lean into them. They're relationships where we seek to possess, to own, to override. And in so doing, we drive away. Now, for me, it feels like dating was such a great example of the trials and tribulations of relationships, because this may not be you. As we've discussed many times, my issues may be far more severe than you, yours. However, when I was getting into relationships, every single time, there was something like this. I felt like, well, should I call? 
if I call, how often should I call and how long should I talk and how interested should I sound? Because if I sound too interested, then she might think I'm too interested and she might think I'm pursuing too hard and so she might withdraw. So maybe I should play it cool and not express interest. And that will show her she has to, but if I don't express enough interest, then how will she know I'm actually interested? Those sort of things just ranged around and around and somehow the thought never entered my head, how about being yourself and simply doing what you desire. No, that couldn't work. <laughs> because if we pursue too hard and we get rejected, it wounds. And so this becomes the I'll break up with you before you break up with me mentality. I know you're going to leave me so I'll cut it off first. Because I can't afford to care too much, because if I care too much, I just might get hurt. Remember where you heard this first. Probably not here. You cannot avoid relational pain. Gee, that's the, that's the sort of thing I ought not say to you. I ought to be able to wrap this up for you so that you could walk out of here and go, you know what, I could just go out there and build great relationships and I don't need to experience pain. Not true. Somebody tells you that they're lying to you. You can't escape relational pain. If you weigh into other people's lives, you will experience sadness. See, if I could just not give a rip about my parents, I would not be experiencing any anguish right now. None. I could go, huh, yeah, dad's in the hospital, mom's in the hospital. They both really miss each other. There's all sorts of agony. Huh, what time's Super Bowl? 5.30, good. And just so you know, as facetious as that was, there's really that part of me that wants to say that. And if I could just not care, if they just didn't matter to me, I could escape their pain. But they do. Sometimes you'll experience pain because as you wade into relationships, sometimes the people you love will leave you. Again, I'd love to tell you otherwise. But sometimes the people you love will leave you. And part of you will want to shut off. Say never again. I can't tell you how to not experience relational pain. I can tell you this. The only reason it hurts is because it matters. The only reason relational pain happens is because you are actually made to connect with other people, and there are only things that are of substance that can actually affect our soul. French philosopher Simone Weil said famously, the only thing that penetrates the soul is beauty and affliction the deep desires of our heart and the pain we experience when they're not met. And so we have two options, seriously, two options. You can look around at your life, the level of your connections, you can see yourself as chronically unconnected or overconnected, and you can say, it's just the way it is, I'm just not gonna worry about it, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it safe. If you do that, my sense is you'll experience less burden on your life. 
but it won't be good because it's still not good to be alone. Or you can realize that that desire is deep, that you have a fierce longing to connect. And you can choose to weigh into that. Believing that, yeah, you're going to experience some pain there, but there will be beauty. I, I could argue, and, and in fact, I think I will, that the whole point of the Bible, the only point of the Bible is that you would see that you were pursued by God for a relationship with Him. The only reason Jesus, the Son of God, goes to the cross and he experiences pain and agony and people swearing at Him and making fun of Him is because He desires you in a relationship with Him. That He will move, literally, heaven and earth to bring you back to Himself because your connection with Him matters. It's the weight you need in your life. And quite honestly, you know, if you're sitting here today and you are, this is the beauty for me about speaking to hundreds of people. You don't have to admit to what I'm saying externally. But you have the opportunity to think about this. Some of you are skittering along the edges of life. You're jumping from one experience to the other. You're afraid of going in too deep. And one of the places you're afraid of going in too deep is in a relationship with God. And so you attend church, but you don't connect. Don't miss the opportunity for the greatest substance of your life, which is your soul connected to the heart of God. And then don't miss the opportunity to weigh in. Okay, so this week has been interesting. That's the... <laughs> My friend Tamara would say, it's been a challenge. But in the midst of the hardest things, there's a friend who came alongside and offered to allow me to use a benefit they have to fly very inexpensively, multiple times. There was my wife who chooses to go get my dad and let me stay at home and coach my son in soccer, who runs over this morning to be with my dad, even though her mom is having surgery, so I could be here. There's my assistant Priscilla, who I call on the spur of the moment yesterday and say, can you go see my mom? Absolutely. Our friend Carla, who rushes over there as well. Relationships have weight. But they have this substance that brings the deepest beauty to our lives. And so my questions to you as we close this are two things. Number one, I'm going to encourage you to get with someone, your small group, another individual, I don't care, and ask two questions. Number one, am I chronically underachieving in my connection or am I trying to possess? This will be hard. It will be hard to explore that issue which is why, again, I'm encouraging you to read this book, The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Cesera. It will help you to explore some of those deeper issues of why it is I have so much trouble connecting, what it is that keeps you pushing people at a distance or trying to possess them too much. Take the time this week at least to explore this. Which of those are you? And secondly, in a totally tactical move, with a friend, 
with a small group, choose one thing. One thing that you're going to do in order to plow into relationships and experience a deeper level of weight and substance in your life. Let's pray. Lord, like so many other deep issues of our life, we have contentious connection with our relationships. We both love them, need them, long for them, and fear the pain that they bring. But I pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would show us a couple things this morning. Number one, that you are our God, that you love us desperately, that our hearts and that our souls are safe with you. And this gives us freedom freedom to explore, freedom to pursue other relationships, and freedom to pursue you. And would you speak to our souls? Remind us no matter what we're dealing with today, whether it's the pain of the ones we love, whether it's the pain caused by someone leaving, whether it's the isolation that we feel. I pray that by the power of your spirit you would speak into our souls and that we would know the depth of these words that in our days there will be beauty because you are our God. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. At this time of our service, we are going to do our offering. We do our offering as a way during a service to connect us to a central concept, which is that it is God who pursues us. And our life is lived in response to him. And so we give in an effort both to lean back hard into our city, but also as a demonstration of the fact that we want to respond to the grace and the power and the mercy of God towards us. Also, if you're here visiting or... I'm not coming to talk to you, sorry. (laughs) Hey, come on up on stage. Kidding. Never, never will I do that to you because I don't want that to happen to me. So anyway, if you're here visiting, I'm back on track. These cards, legitimate. If you've got questions, if you want to figure out something about Warehouse, if you want to know more about how you get involved, if you have uh, anything like that, fill this out, drop it in the basket as it comes around. 